Well, it is New Year's Eve, and you all know what that means. Resolutions. <laughs> but before we take that thought any further, have you ever, ever really thought about the meaning of the word re resolution? Now, if you're like me, you probably haven't or hadn't. But you might be surprised when you actually start to dig into it a little bit. Uh, in his book, A Journey to Bethlehem, an author named Jason Sorosky offers the following definitions of a resolution. Now, Webster uh, defines the word as being marked by firm determination. So this is the definition we typically associate with New Year's Eve and the making of promises that we seldom keep beyond the first few weeks of January. So much for firm determination. But see, to a musician, a resolution is a harmony line moving from a dissonant tone, which is one that doesn't fit the melody, to a consonant tone, which is one that does fit. Harmonies can dance and amaze us with all their varied complexities for a while, but they must eventually resolve. To a writer, a resolution is the end of a story, the final element of a twisting plot wrought with conflict, finally resolving to an end where everything turns out okay. To a chemist, it's the separation of a chemical compound back into its constituent or simplest parts. To the statesman, a resolution is an expression of the determined will of an elected body. To a graphic artist, it is the sharpness of the pixel count on the screen and the quality of the image that's produced. By any definition, a resolution is characterized by a return to simplicity, a focus on sharp definition and determination broken down to its simplest most harmonious parts. Without resolution, art, science, government, and life in general all fall into chaos. Without resolution, there is no foundation on which to stand. So let me now pose a question to you, one that I hope you'll continue to ponder long after this message is over. Question is this, what could your, your, your year look like if you were to make the inbreaking kingdom of God your resolution, your one and only foundation in 2018? You see, we use a phrase in the vineyard in which we refer to the kingdom of God as the already but not yet. And the kingdom is referred to that way because that's really what Jesus told us. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but essentially if you read through the Gospels, you'll see that at times he announced the kingdom of God has come. It's here. It's now. And then there were other times when he said something like that the kingdom was coming or that it's still in the future somewhere. And so that's where we get the already and not yet. The present and the future something known, and something unknown. The kingdom is here, but it's also continuing to break in all the time. So as we prepare for 2018, 
you have an opportunity to allow the inbreaking kingdom to be a part of it, to be a part of your 2018. So how could the inbreaking kingdom impact your year next year? Well, as a way to look at this, I want to turn to one of Paul's letters. It's the second letter to the Corinthians. And we're going to look at two, two closely related but somewhat independent passages. They're both from the same chapter. Uh, first is 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 through 9. And that reads, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And then the second passage, we're just going to jump down about seven verses uh, to verses 16 through 18, where it says, So we do not lose heart, through our, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So let's look at a couple of ways that the kingdom could potentially impact your year next year. First, I would say this, that the inbreaking kingdom could impact your 2018 by reminding you that you're human. Now, in the verse that's beneath this, this verses 7 through 9, it's part of the first passage we read, this we that Paul refers to here in the context of the preceding verses are himself and those people that he was with who, to whom the gospel message was entrusted. So, in other words, this is Paul and his fellow evangelists, okay? But I believe, and John Wesley agrees with me, so I feel like I'm in pretty good company here, that we here means not only the apostles and the preachers, but all true believers. So that everybody. And I think I can support that pretty strongly using Jesus' great commission, where he told everyone to go and make disciples, essentially telling everyone, you are all evangelists. So hear what Paul is saying as if he's talking specifically to you, because I believe he is. Now the treasure he refers to in this case is the ministry of the gospel, this new covenant ministry empowered by, as he says a little bit earlier in this chapter, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The jars of clay refers to our bodies, the outward man which is liable to afflictions and death. Now, you could draw a comparison between the treasure Paul's talking about with the gospel ministry and the treasure that you and I carry today, which is Christ in us along with the Holy Spirit. But that's not really what I want to focus on here. It's the fact that we are all jars of clay, fragile earthen vessels, human beings. And I believe it's important to remember that because far too often we give ourselves an upgrade to something that's stronger and more substantial than a jar of clay. 
Paul chose this phrase very carefully because earthen or clay jars, as opposed to bronze ones, were pretty easily and readily discarded. Clay was not a scarce resource in the Middle East in this time. It was always available. And because of that, these containers were cheap and disposable if they happened to get broken or they were um, contaminated in some way and not being, be able to be used for ceremonial purposes. We upgrade ourselves from clay to bronze because it's what the world is constantly telling us to do. Using words like independent, self-sufficient, do-it-yourself. And let me stress that there's nothing wrong with those words, except they don't describe Jesus. The perfect example of humanity that we are or should be striving for. And why is it important to remember that we are regular human and not superhuman? Well, it's because of what comes next. Paul says that we are frail, ordinary humans, and because of that, bad things happen to us. First, he says we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Now, this, this first pair of terms really flows from this metaphor of the jars of clay. The image of earthenware vessels that do not break even when placed under great strain. To be afflicted or hard-pressed is to be troubled from without by physical or psychological difficulties. <coughs> now, while Paul and the other ministers of the gospel endured many afflictions, as did frail earthenware, they weren't crushed. They were not overcome by these afflictions because they had the treasure of the gospel of Christ. Next, he says, they're perplexed, but not driven to despair. Now here, and in these, the following couple of word pairs, Paul's choice of words begins to rely more on the prior word pair, the afflicted crushed, than on the original metaphor of jars of clay. And so he expresses himself with a word play. Paul does this occasionally in his writings. You have to really understand the Greek to know this, but he has some fun with the language from time to time. And this, these words, perplexed and despair, are based on the same root in the Greek language. So to be perplexed is to be in a state of confusion and discouragement because of afflictions and troubles. And despair in this context means something comparable to utter despair lacking all hope or positive counterbalance. And so even though Paul and his company were deeply troubled at times, they never gave up because they had such great treasure. Third, we find persecuted but not forsaken. To be persecuted is to be hunted down or chased by other people. And persecution was pretty widespread in the early church. Yet Paul insisted that even in persecution, they weren't abandoned. God never left them alone. He was with them in all of their persecutions. And finally, there is struck down but not destroyed. And interestingly, when Paul spoke about being struck down, he probably had in mind a wrestling metaphor rather than actual physical blows. See, back then, a wrestler was struck down when he was thrown to the floor. 
and to be thrown to the floor was clearly a setback for the wrestler, but to be thrown down was not the same as being defeated. The path to victory for Paul and his, com his company included setbacks, but ultimately they would be victorious over their foes. And so in this life, Christianity is not the absence or removal of weakness. And it's not simply a show of God's power. It's really a display of God's power through human weakness. This means that we don't have to beat ourselves up when we aren't perfect. There is no shame or condemnation in God. There is no need to continually berate yourself for making a mistake. Relax. Pick yourself up. Shrug off the old man. Put on the new man. Grin. Take Jesus by the hand. And start where you left off. It's okay to be a fragile clay jar. In fact, it's the way God prefers us. Second, the inbreaking kingdom could impact your 2018 by reminding you to focus more on your inner self than on your outer self. And as he had already illustrated so clearly, Paul could draw a pretty clear and sharp distinction between what was happening to him on the outside and what was going on inside. And so if you look at, in terms of, you know, he's talking about all the physical suffering and the hardships that he's going through, Paul is wasting away, as we all are, to one extent or another. But see, by contrast, Paul found that inwardly the opposite was true. In the midst of all the troubles that were besieging him and all the opponents that were attacking him, Paul saw his inner soul, the part of him that was destined for eternal life, he saw that as being renewed every day. Now the hardships were real. They were certainly having their effect. But you don't find Paul griping or complaining about how much he was giving up in order to go preach the gospel. Instead, he knew that every trouble Every hardship and every difficulty that was endured for Christ's sake was making him spiritually new. And this occurred day by day, trouble by trouble. And he saw every difficulty as an opportunity to mature in the faith. Well, how do we do that? Where do we obtain a lens that allows us to see what's happening in our life the same way that Paul saw what was happening in his? Well, one way that I would recommend or suggest would be to adopt an ancient spiritual practice called a regular. It's also referred to as a rule of life. Now, this practice goes back over a thousand years to a time before books were readily available. You know, as you probably are aware, there was no printed Bible until Johannes Gutenberg produced the first one in 1455. And so spiritual leaders would give people 
a regular, and it often would occur at their baptism. Now, the name actually comes from the Latin regula, which makes me think that the people on the Jersey Shore might be speaking Latin sometimes. It's like, you know that Paulie, he's a regular guy. All right, sorry. But the word also, the word actually means rule. And so that's where rule of life comes from. Now, you you could maybe um, think about this as a life verse, but I would say it's a life verse only if it's something that's acted upon. It can't be just a verse that sort of sits there and one that you look at and go, oh, that's a nice verse. So a regular or rule of life is a short passage of Scripture that the individual was to memorize and then attempt to live out. Okay, that's the key part. It's not enough just to memorize it. You have to then begin to live it out in your life. The regular helps one to remain God-conscious, to set your mind always on things above. It's one way to practice abiding in Christ. And what you choose as a regular should be short enough to memorize, but powerful enough to be significant. And it should be so ingrained in you that it influences the way that you think and act. In other words, it becomes the lens through which you look at life. And that's why, I mean, this is one of the reasons why spiritual disciplines like memorizing scripture is important. Because if you wait until the, the, the exact moment when you're in trouble and you need something like this, it's too late. It's too late. You need to have those things ingrained in you before that point comes so that when it does, you're prepared in the moment to deal with it, to react in a way that's God-honoring. And so there are hundreds, literally hundreds, that you could choose from in Scripture. Hundreds of verses that you could pick. But I'm going to show you ten that you could, uh, just to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Now, before you rush to write all these down, if, you, if that's kind of your mindset, I will send these out in my email tomorrow. Okay, when I send out the audio of the, of the message, I will send this list with it. All right, so that you can look at these and, uh, and you know, either pick one of these or, or another one. So, the first one, 1 Timothy 6.12. Now, I'm just going to read through them. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these. Like I said, if you want to write these down or if you want to wait till tomorrow, either one's fine. But this should just give you an idea of what I'm talking about. 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That last one ought to be kind of familiar since it's on the wall over there. Colossians 15 and 16, the verses that are immediately following that. 
And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then the very next verse could also be used. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now just think, stop and think for a minute. If, that, if you just chose that sentence, and then in your time, you know, as you're, as you're memorizing this, take the time to kind of go through this and just think about this. So it starts off, in whatever you do. Okay, right off the bat, you don't have any wiggle room at all here. In whatever you do. All right, that's pretty all-inclusive. In word or deed. So now it's making you think a little bit more about things that you say and the actions that you take. Do everything, not some things, not the things that you feel like doing, not the things that are easy, everything, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then finally, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now just imagine that that's the lens that you choose to look at life through. How, what a difference that could make. And that's just one of these. So moving on. I'm not going to read that whole section because that's really the, the Beatitudes, okay? But there are, even within that section of, what, 18 verses, there are probably a dozen, if not more, passages that you could choose to focus on, you know? Um, Colossians, uh, one, Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Philippians 3, 13 through 16. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. This one might be a good one if, you're, if you've got some issues in your past that you want to get rid of. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Ephesians 
For we are all his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then finally, Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I might add, what a delightful thing to get in your chair in the morning and sit with your Bible and ask God to pick one for you. And see what comes out. Now, now whether you choose to employ a regular or you use some other means, this focus on your inner attitude and your mindset rather than the external, the circumstances and troubles that you might be in, could result in greater kingdom inbreaking in your life this next year. And then finally, the inbreaking kingdom could impact next year by reminding you that the past and the present are not the future. It was this eternal perspective and hope in things to come that sustained Paul in the midst of the sufferings that marked his ministry. Paul knew that nothing in life lasts forever. And he knew that the hardship that he endured was, as he referred to it, a slight momentary affliction in comparison to how long he would enjoy God's presence. He concluded, therefore, that the troubles of this world are, are an extremely light burden compared to the eternal weight of glory. And it's amazing, but millions, billions, and even trillions of years do not compare to the length of infinite time. Now I know it's easy to lose heart and just quit or give up. We've all faced problems in relationships or in work that have caused us to want to think about, you know, I'm just going to lay the tools down and walk away. But instead of giving up when persecution wore him down, Paul allowed the Holy Spirit to strengthen him from within. And I think that's an important word. Paul allowed it implies some action on your part. You've got to allow God to work in you. So don't let fatigue or pain or criticism force you off your track. Don't forsake the eternal reward because of the intensity of today's pain. Your very weakness allows the resurrection power of Christ to strengthen you in a moment-by-moment -moment basis. And what really matters, what's eternal and permanent, can't be seen or touched or measured. It's only with eyes of faith that you can look at what can't be seen. See, a Christian's hope is not in the power and the wealth that can be accumulated on earth. You know that. Instead, a Christian's hope is in Christ, someone that we can't see right now. And that's why 
Paul encourages the Corinthians to live by faith and not by sight. And so, if you want to have a kingdom-based 2018, then take your eyes off of the world and place them on the Almighty, the one who possesses all the power anyway. And those who invest in what is permanent and eternal will withstand all of the unpredictable changes of life with heavenly treasures that never will deteriorate. Now, I'm sure that uh, health clubs and gyms make a boatload of money in January (laughs) as everybody buys memberships to get in shape and to fulfill one of the New Year's resolutions that they're ultimately not going to keep. So it stands to reason that they would do a lot of advertising this time of year. And there was a pastor named Daniel Schreiner who lives in Portland, Oregon, and he got the following marketing piece from a local fitness gym. And it was called The Year of You. I shall read it to you. The new year is right around the corner, and you're either going to own the year or the year is going to own you. It's 100% your choice. It's in your hands. That's the first thing. Simply by taking all of the responsibility and putting it on your shoulders, you become empowered. Next, you take that feeling of empowerment, of invincibility. That feeling that you can run through a wall and you take action. You become prolific. You become consistent. And you let no obstacles stand in your way no matter what. No more pity parties. No more whining about anything. You are in control. You. This is exactly what I was talking about earlier. It's what the world, it's what your enemy wants you to believe. Don't fall for it. (laughs) Don't try to own the year. Don't take all the responsibility and put it on your shoulders. Don't believe you're invincible. Don't, for a second, believe you're in control. Turn your focus to the inbreaking kingdom and let it remind you who really is in control. And here's a thought, let him be in control. (laughs) Accept and embrace your identity as a fallible, fallen human being. It's okay, God made us that way. Stop worrying so much about the outside you. And spend your time and effort on the inside you. And stop rehashing all of your past mistakes and current predicaments. Turn them over to God and remember instead the amazing future that awaits each and every son and daughter of the King. That's the way you need to go into 2018. Amen.